You know, we've been talking about this relationship series, and we used the triangle the last three weeks, and I told you we were going to try and tie this into everything that goes on. So in every relationship, in reality, we are basing our relationships on this triangle aspect. In other words, what we talked about the first week was our relationship with God, right? So our upward relationship. Jesus had healthy relationships with people. He had a healthy relationship with the Father first. Jesus got away from people to meet with the Father. Even before his, his crucifixion, it says that Jesus went to meet with the Father. So a lot of times what ends up happening in our lives is we think, well, I can get through or I can get by in my relationships. I get by in everything that goes on without spending any time with the Father, without spending any time with God. And so we're going to put this up here. Our primary relationship, we always said, first and foremost, is our relationship with God, okay? So we're going to put ourselves down here. We're going to call this in, our up, our in relationship. So this is us or me, but at the same time, this is us as believers, the church, okay? And so last week, we talked about our relationships within the church body, okay? And one of the things we talked about oftentimes is when there's a conflict in relationship within the body, so it could be me and somebody else over here, there's a conflict in relationship here. Usually what ends up going is like, well, there's conflict here. This relationship gets erased as well as then there's statements like this. Well, that's why I gave up on the church. That's why I gave up on God. Because of conflict in the relationships between you and somebody else. And so we said, listen, the main point of our relationships is to grow in the grace and knowledge and understanding of who God is. But a healthy church always produces healthy disciples. An unhealthy church will not have a chance of ever producing healthy disciples, okay? I hope you hear that out. I grew up in a conflicted church out in Wyoming. My parents would talk about it. Matter of fact, when I told my dad, I felt like God was calling me into ministry. You know what my, first, my dad's first words were? No, he's not. No, he's not. Go do anything else. Now, my dad was one of the, they would rotate. Well, he was on the deacons. He would sometimes be the chairman of deacons, serve like crazy, taught Sunday school, all that stuff. And I remember that point blank. No. And the statement was, I've seen what our church does to pastors. And I don't want you to have to go through that. So let me be clear on this. I believe that is a result of churches eating alive pastors or people in general is a result of a broken relationship here first and foremost. That's when churches come in and go, no, it's not about what we can do to reach people. It's not about anybody else. It's all about me. And there's this me-ism and this me-centrality. It's about my preferences and my way. And if I don't get my way, I'm gonna make life hell for everybody else in the church. Right? Okay? So we talk about up, we talk about in, in our relationship with others. So we could put me or we can also put the church, okay? And then here's what we're gonna do today. If you haven't figured this out, we're gonna talk about our relationship with those who are outside. So we're gonna put this out here, up, out, right? So we have our relationships up with the Father, in with the church, out with those who are outside the church, those who don't respond, have never put their faith and trust in Jesus. And we're gonna jump. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians chapter four, Colossians chapter four, and we said, listen, every relationship, right, matters. And here's the reason why. Because everything you do involves relationships, right? Everything you do in some way, shape, or form is connected in a relational matter. So relationships matters. A couple months ago, we talked about emotional health. Over the last year, we have seen the 
problem of the emotional unhealth of what has risen within our culture and within our country over the last year, but I believe was already there, just never being addressed. And now we're also seeing problems with relational issues, right? And so we wanna cover this. And so we wanna talk about a relationship with outsiders. Some of the worst responses or, or the, the most negative responses to people who are not believers online have come in what I've seen from believers' mouths online because we can be passive aggressive through social media and let people know where we really think about them without having a relational connection. So Colossians chapter four, let's get started there. And we're gonna jump in. Colossians chapter four, starting in verse two, follow along with me and listen to what he says. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then in verse five, be wise in the way you act toward what? Outsiders. Well, there we go. We get our word. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Not just, oh, people I like. Not just people who think like me. Not people who voted like me. Not people who live like me. Not people who, you get what I'm saying? So you may know how to answer everyone, all right? So we talked about this, and there's, there's this idea that healthy churches produce healthy disciples, and healthy disciples reproduce and make other healthy disciples. But I want us to understand that this relationship, this triangle, plays out in everything we do. And I want to lay this out just in a way. A, a, a church that's strong in up relationship and in relationship, that's great. It's usually a church that's built on small groups. It's a church that's very friendly once you get in, right? Once I get in, it might take, you know, an act of Congress, but a church that's only an up and in relationship idea is not a church that's fully established and fully healthy in relationships, right? And a church that's up and out, hey, it's a great thing. They're reaching out to people, but at the same time, they're not making what it is that, that, that people need. Strong, healthy, biblical relationships to grow. All of these things go hand in hand. To be a healthy church, we have to be a church that's focused on our relationship with God, first and foremost. Everybody in the church committed to growing deeper in knowledge and understanding. Why? Because that's the first and foremost thing that everything stems from. Then number two, we wanna connect with others within the body so that we can grow, we can become healthy, we get strong relationships, we have accountability, we can invest in each other, and then we also focus outwards. Now, I'm gonna bring something up, and I think it's something to kind of just say, right? Sometimes people are afraid, what's gonna happen if I invite people to church? Matter of fact, I'm not gonna lie, when I first got to our church, and I love you people dearly who have been here the whole long time, but it was it was it was almost embarrassing to try and invite somebody to church. It was like, man, I want you to come, but man, this is rough. People are great. Matter of fact, I wanna brag on, on, on the reality of what's, what's gone on. You guys, you guys realize um, for eight years, we have battled and struggled through this and we have maintained 
right? We have seen baptisms, but listen, here's what we said. As a matter of fact, a year ago, if you were here at our church, we set a goal of 10 baptisms and 100 in attendance by the end of the year. Can I challenge us something this year? By December, will you be praying for 10 baptisms and 100 in attendance? And here's the reason why. I believe as a result of us sharing the gospel, 10 baptisms leads to 100 in attendance. Because we're seeing people who are lost be found. We're seeing people who need Jesus come to Jesus. And when we do our part, instead of being like the fishermen in the video with everybody getting their own excuses, when we're all fishing, when we're all casting the net, when we do our part, baptisms and church growth is natural. Please hear me out when I say this. It's not about us just growing as a church and not reaching people. We could grow and we can sheep swap and we can do all kinds of things. And hear me out, I believe that God does that to strengthen and build a church. But if we don't reach people, we failed. So, Colossians chapter five, I'm gonna, or sorry, Colossians chapter four, I want you to remember this. If you remember anything else, this is the key statement today. A healthy church shares the gospel with those outside the church and leaves the results up to God. A healthy, and you can insert this, a healthy believer shares the gospel with those who are outside or don't have a relationship with Jesus and they leave the results up to God. It's not yours and mine opportunity or possibility or ability to even change the heart of a person. That's up to the Lord. But we have to be people who are going to share the gospel with those who are outside the church. So I got two questions, actually three questions. We're gonna answer these. The first two are fairly simple. Who's called to go and preach the gospel? Thank you. We are, right? I've had people say, well, pastor, that's your job. Really? Like, I mean, I know scripture where it says that God has called some to be pastors or some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors, to prepare God's people for works of service or to equip God's people for works of service. But God calls all of us, the church. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Go and make disciples. Here's what's crazy about that. He doesn't say, if you wanna be a disciple or if you wanna be an apostle, go and make disciples. He says, everybody, go and make disciples. So it's, call, it's a command. This is why it's called the Great Commission. Now, I want you to think about this. There's this great commission idea. There are two statements that kind of go in here. There's the great commission and there's the great omission, right? The commission or the commission is literally when we are preparing somebody to go. You are commissioning, you are ordering them to do that. And so these sins of commission or there's sins of omission. The, the sin of commission involves, listen, the willful act of doing something that violates God's commands. So it could be lying, stealing. That's a sin of commission. I am committing an act willfully violating God's commands. There's a sin of commission, right? But then there's the sins of omission. A sin of omission is something like this. God told me to do something and I chose not to do it. See, I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. I didn't break the law. I didn't steal, I didn't lie, but God told me to do something, so I, had admitted, I omitted it out of my life. I decided, I'll use this as an example. You're in Walmart, or you're shopping, you're at a restaurant, and somebody's like, man, my life is going to hell in a handbasket, I've just had a rough week, I can't deal with it, I don't know what to do, and you feel this little knock, knock, knock. Why don't you talk to them 
about Jesus, and you go, nope. Now, I'm not asking for a raise of hands, but have you ever been in that situation? You ever been a time at work, maybe a family member where the Lord's been like, hey, this is just a simple chance. Nope. It's called a sin of omission. And listen to what James says. James chapter four, verse 17. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him, it is a sin. So I want us to understand this, that who's called to go and preach the gospel? We are. And when we don't, what do we do? We're sinning. Now, here's the good news about that. The Bible is very clear. All of us like sheep have gone astray, right? We've turned, we've gone to our own way, but the Bible is very clear that in Jesus there is forgiveness and there is grace and there is peace, that he's going to forgive us of those things. But listen to me, we have to learn from this and we have to begin to say, I cannot continue to walk in a sin of omission and continue to say that my priority with God is first and foremost, Because if I'm gonna admit what he says, if I'm gonna say, no, I'm not gonna do it, you're telling me to do this, I'm not gonna do it, then this is not primary. This is not the first thing. Who's primary? Who's sitting on the throne of your heart? You are. Your feelings, your emotions. And here's what's crazy about it. If our relationship with God is lined up and we're pouring our heart into that, and we seek God day in and day out, then listen, here's what's the crazy thing about what scripture says. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, one of the biggest struggles, I believe, for most believers is this, that we think we have to know every single detail. We think we gotta be theologians. We think we gotta have everything down. If somebody asks a question and I don't know, then I'm just gonna look really bad. When the truth of the matter is, you know the gospel. You know the good news of Jesus. If you've accepted Jesus, you've heard it, you've responded it, you've confessed, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? So there's the beginning stage. Who's called to preach the gospel? We are. Number two, why are we to preach the gospel? Because God's primary way of reaching people has always been through people. God has always made it a priority to reach people through people. If you look at Jesus' relationship with those who were far from the church, far from Jesus, who had no desire at the time to seek, Jesus, whoo, sorry, shocking. <laughs> right? That might be a voice from the Lord. I don't know. <laughs> right? Okay. Jesus always uses people. So why do we preach the gospel? Because God's primary way of reaching people is through people. Listen to Romans chapter 10. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, in the past, the church would be like, see, that's why we hire a pastor. He preaches. Then I don't have to. No. Paul wrote the book of Romans to the church at Rome. That's the whole body of believers that were gathering there. And he talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How awesome it is to have an opportunity and a a responsibility to share the gospel. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, Paul encourages Timothy in this. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. You know, I get to meet with a lot of pastors, a lot of guys who want to plant. And I remember not too long ago meeting with a planter who told me he spent 40 hours prepping a sermon. 
there was a statement he said was that, well, for every minute you preach is an hour of prep. And I remember saying this, don't go into church planting, bro. Because if you think you're gonna sit in an office all day and study for 40 hours so you can preach a sermon and then plant a church at the same time, it ain't gonna happen. Be prepared what? In season and out of season. So here's how this plays out. In order for me to invest in the life of somebody here, this has to be primary. Why? Because as I'm investing in this relationship, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, if I'm prepared in season and out of season, that means whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm walking through, the pains, the difficulties, the joys, and the excitements of everything goes on, I am prepared to present the gospel to those who are far from me or for far from God and may not have a relationship with me at all. I can present the gospel to those types of people. Why? Because they need it. It's important for us to understand that. So listen, preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season. And here's where I wanna spend the last part of our time and I wanna focus on this. Number three, how do we share? All of this is gonna be built on or based upon our Colossians chapter four text. How do we share? And I want you to put this down. Prayerfully with wisdom, grace, and truth. Prayerfully with wisdom, grace, and truth. So I got four things, just real quick, as we unpack this. Number one, start by praying. Listen to what he says in chapter four, verse two of Colossians. Devote yourselves to what? Prayer. Like, I've, I've used this recently, I believe, in the past, but if you are devoted to something, what are you committed to? What are you doing? Devotion is an act of commitment. I am focused on this over and over. I persist. I continue. I put a large portion of time and effort into this. And so I want to ask you this, and I want you to think about this. Do you pray? And I'm not just talking about the old school Southern Baptist prayer meeting prayers, Lord be with us. I'm talking about, God, I have this friend and you call them by name and you say, God, give me the opportunity to share the gospel. God, speak through me. God, use me. I will make you fishers of men. That's what Jesus says, right? Jesus will make you a fisher of men. This devotion to prayer is the very thing that everything is launched upon from here. If I wanna reach people who are far from Jesus with the truth of the gospel, it starts with prayer. Number one, prayer softens my heart. The Lord uses prayer to soften my heart and get me to where I'm supposed to be. To reveal to me my flaws in maybe how I view somebody, maybe how I look at what they're going through, how I can unite around what they're struggling with. See, prayer gets me to where God wants me to be and prayer gets me to see people how God sees them. You remember, there's this text that says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But yet, watch people's responses to unbelievers or watch responses on social media from people who are believers to people who aren't, and it blows my mind. Because the church, in a way, and believers in some way, shape, and form, have made it this idea that it's us against them. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. Our battles against the rulers, the principalities, the authorities that are going on around us, the spiritual battle that oftentimes we don't see, that we don't pray about, we don't pray over. 
And so prayer is the foundation upon which everything is built. Listen how he says, right? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. What's this idea of watchful? Aware of any spiritual drowsiness or laziness that's coming up in your life. Is it easy to become spiritually drowsy and lazy? Yeah? Every morning when you choose not to pursue that relationship with God and you say, I'm busier with everything else, what is that? It's laziness, right? It's, it's misplaced priorities. So he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Thankful for what? Thankful is this idea of having a proper attitude before God, that God wants to use me to proclaim the gospel, that God has put me, thankful that God has put me into circumstances and situations with people that don't know Jesus that gives me an opportunity to speak the good news of the gospel to them. And then listen to what he says again. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And then listen how Paul says this. And pray for us. Who's he talking about? Paul's talking about those who have been put in chains. And listen to what he says. Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. So let me ask this. When you're praying, do you pray for an open door? God, give me an open door. Give me a chance to share the gospel. Give me a chance to speak truth and life into somebody who right now is experiencing falsehood and death, destruction. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So God, give me an open door. And then I want you to think about this, that you pray for clarity. Listen to what he says. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it what? Clearly. Can I be honest? One of the things that we have done is oftentimes made the gospel as cloudy as an Oklahoma lake. If you've ever been to Oklahoma, you know what I'm talking about. They're red. Oh, I'll use this example. Anybody been down to Table Rock Lake? I used to go down to Table Rock Lake, and by midsummer, the green algae, you could put your hand in front of your face and you couldn't see it. And for some reason, we take people, we throw them into a lake, and we're like, here's the gospel, and they can't see it because we've muddied it with a bunch of other things. When the truth of the matter is that the gospel is what saves everybody. So listen, praying for clarity. Charles Spurgeon said this, we need laborers, not loiterers. We need men on fire to pray to God to send them. The harvest can never be reaped by men who will not work. And that goes to the ladies within the church as well. The harvest can never be reaped by men who will not work work. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So number one, how do we share? By praying. Number two, by being wise in how you act, right? How I act speaks volumes to those who are outside the church. So when I think about this, being wise in how I act, I have to understand what that means, that how I act in front, of, in front of unbelievers is huge in what takes place. How I act and how I talk and how I speak and what I do and what I say is massive in the mind or the eyes of unbelievers. So it's important for us to play that out. Be wise in how you act. Listen to Romans Chapter 12, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be renewed, right? Or transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to act in a certain way. 
That means when I am around people who are far from Jesus, people who think that Jesus is a fake, a facade, a scam, that when I am around those people, that how I act, that what I say and what I do speaks volumes to them. So listen, I can hang out with lost people. It's no big deal. Do I do what they do? No. Can I hang out with them? Yes. But you don't do what they do. You don't have to do what they do because you have been called, you have been set apart, you are are holy. And so as a result, my relationship with God is first and foremost. And then, listen, I'm hanging out with lost people. I need to be. Matter of fact, I remember, and I've used this before, I remember one night on a Wednesday night, not long after I got here, I had one of the older ladies come to me. She goes, Pastor, you're asking us to do what we were told for years not to do. And I was like, what are you talking about? I had no clue what she was talking about. She goes, you're asking us to build relationships with lost people. And I went, well, I don't know where you got it from, but I want you to know this. All of us need relationships with lost people. So how do we share? We start by praying. Number two, we be wise in how we act. And I put it this way in a simpler turn, instead, or in a simpler way. Build bridges, don't burn them. How we as believers can build bridges to those who are lost speaks volumes to whether or not they may or may not believe. If you decide I'm gonna burn the bridge before you even really get to know them, you might as well count it out that you're not gonna have a chance to reach him. You better pray that somebody else steps in. Build bridges, don't burn them. That's why we leave open every opportunity to have a relationship with somebody who's lost. I've had people say, well, I'm gonna call them out on how they act. Well, great, that's good. Call them out on how they act. Tell me how that goes. They don't think like you, they don't believe like you. If they don't believe like you and you start calling them out on how they act, they're gonna say, well, this is the reality. Build bridges, don't burn them. How we respond towards outsiders can change the attitude or the actions of those we share the gospel with. So be wise in how you act. Number three, make the most of every opportunity. This goes right back to where we were talking about earlier. I would say if you're a believer for any length of time that you know, as well as I do, that at some point in time, the Lord gave you an opportunity to speak to a person, to talk to him about the truth to reveal who Jesus is, to say this is what it's about and you decided not to, right? Making the most of every opportunity is huge. We have to make the most of every opportunity that we're given with Jesus. And listen, sharing starts by caring. Listening to the heart of the individual, showing care and concern and compassion for what they're going through in life is huge. And so I can make the most of every opportunity by caring for somebody who's around me. Yes, I can meet a need. Yes, I can sit down and talk and listen when they have a painful or difficult situation. I can try and help them out through the storms that they go through. But sharing starts with caring. And then here's the other thing I want to say under this. Look for divine appointments. You know what a divine appointment is? It's where God supernaturally works in your life and he detours you into running into somebody that needs to hear. It's called a divine appointment. We see them all throughout scripture. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is one of them. Where this guy's sitting there reading scripture and going, how can I understand this? And, and Philip's like, you don't understand it. Well, let me tell you. That's a divine appointment. 
And I would venture to say that if you pay attention for divine appointments in your life, that God's gonna throw the door open wide on those things. You're gonna be walking through the aisle somewhere, you're gonna run into a friend, you're gonna have a conversation and there's gonna be a statement made and you're gonna be like, this is a divine appointment. God brought me to this person at this point in time and now you have a choice. The divine appointment has given you an opportunity to commit a sin of omission, which is, God, not right now. I don't have time. Or it's gonna give you a time and an opportunity to respond. And remember our big statement, leaving the result up to who? God. A healthy church is a church that is balanced in all three areas of this. A healthy believer is a believer who is balanced in these three areas that we focus first and foremost on our up relationship with God because that's what we need. We see it from Jesus. Jesus did it and he led by example and so now we pursue that same thing. We have to have a strong upward relationship with the Lord. We have to have a strong inward relationship with other believers and we have to have a strong outward relationship with those who are far from Jesus. And listen to me, I believe wholeheartedly that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Number one, scripture tells us that. Number two, all we gotta do is look at statistics. I don't care where you're at politically, but right now we live in a post-Christian culture. People who don't care what the church says, thinks the church is a bunch of bigots, that they've got problems and things like that, but I want you to hear me out on this. The church will always stand strongest when we stand upon the foundation of God's word, first and foremost, that we let God's word dictate and direct everything we do and how we respond. But I also wanna say this, that God's word calls us to share the gospel. And here's the crazy thing. We'll say, we're gonna stand on the foundation of God's word and we're gonna obey that and we're gonna stand against homosexual marriage and we're gonna stand against heterosexual people who are active outside the bounds of marriage and we're gonna take a stand against LGBTQ stuff and we're gonna do all this, but I'm not gonna share the gospel. So you're picking and choosing now. So hear me out when I say this. We're gonna stand firm on the foundation of the gospel. We will stand firm on what marriage is. We will stand firm on what it means to be a couple that is married and united under the blood of Jesus Christ that can come together. We're gonna work with those who are lost, those who don't think like us, those who don't believe like us. We're gonna serve those who are just like that because they've been blinded by the lies of Satan. And so listen, we are going to serve. We'll throw the doors wide open for any of those people. We will serve, we will love, we will connect, we will share the gospel with those people, just as much as we will share the, per, the gospel with a person who's straight and who's still living in sin. And so please hear me out that we have to make the most of every opportunity. And then number four is to speak about the good news. What is the good news? See, the simple fact is the gospel is God's grace for a sinful world. What is the good news? That God created us on purpose, with great purpose, with great hope, that our sins separate us from Jesus, that sins cannot be removed by good deeds, but that paying the price for sins, Jesus died on the cross, and that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ can be saved. And that life eternal, that life, the life that Jesus talks about, the abundant life, starts when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, that we are all called to live that. That's the gospel. That's the truth, that a sinner 
who has nothing good to offer, was saved by the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, but Jesus didn't just die and stay dead, he rose again. So the Bible is very clear that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So please hear me out with this. Maybe there are some here today who would say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, and that's what I need. Maybe you're an out person. Maybe it's somebody who's joined us online or anything like that. Maybe you're the outsider. You feel like you're not making ends meet. But if you are, then the call is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. But I also venture to say that a majority of us are in this category here. But we've given in to the sin of omission. God, you can't really expect me to... I mean, that's going to get really awkward. They could hate me. Yep. Scripture says it. Bible tells us it's going to happen. But the truth of the matter is, you can never reap what you're not willing to sow. You can never harvest what you haven't planted It's not, and please hear me out on this when we talk about this. The gospel is not just good advice. It's good news. And listen to what he says to wrap it up. Always full of grace. That's the gospel. Seasoned with salt. What's that mean? It's this pure, penetrating preservative that adds flavor to life. And hear me out. that Salt is no good when it stays in the salt shaker. It doesn't do any good if it was to stay in the mine where it's mined from. That salt has to be used in order to be effective. And so listen, here's the last quote I wanna give and I think it's huge. Watchman D, an old school pastor, preacher, writer, says this. There are two big days in the life of a believer. The day on which he believes in the Lord and every day after that when he leads someone to Christ. Listen, here's what I want you to understand. A balanced relationship within the church and a balanced relationship in your life operates in a sweet spot. Probably really more up in here, I should say. Because as we pursue our relationship with God right here, he gives us the influence and opportunity to reach down to these right here and to love them with grace to treat them with mercy, to speak to them the truth of the gospel. And hear me out when I say this, that when up and in and out all work together, you share the gospel with somebody, they put their faith and trust in Jesus, you invite them to the church, the church accepts them where they are and says, I know it's gonna be messy, I know we got some things to work through, I know that we're gonna have pain and heartache and hurt, but there's great news because we all need the gospel. We all need it because, listen, when you and I walk through the sin of omission and allow omission to direct our lives, then we are showing our need for the gospel more and more and more every day. The church has to wake up. The church has to accept the responsibility that we grow in our relationship with God. We grow in our relationship with others, and we grow in our influence and our relationship with those on the outside in order to see the church grow. And so please hear me out when I say this. 10 and 100 is feasible. 10 and 100 is possible. 
10 and 100 is doable. And it's not because of what you and I offer or bring because only the one who does it is only God. So a healthy church shares the gospel with those who are on the outside and leaves the results up to who? God. But it's our responsibility. It's our calling. It's our obedience that leads to us experiencing what God wants to do in our lives. And please hear me out when I say this. Some of you, the moment you would lead somebody to Christ, I guarantee you what you're gonna be doing. You're gonna be walking on cloud nine. You're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Where's the next person? Because that's exactly how God works. Is that when you're faithful with the little things, he gives you more. And the churches oftentimes go, God, I don't understand what's going on. You're letting those churches over there grow and we're not growing. And listen, we could get into conversations and people say, well, that's because they do this and do that, whatever. There are churches all around Kansas City and all around the United States that are baptizing people right now. The simple fact is, are you and I willing to quit omitting what God has called us to do and start doing what God has called us to do. Father, we pray today that you would have your way, that Lord, we understand that there are great things that are going on around us, things that we have no control over. We know that there are lives that are hurting, that are broken, that are needy. We know that there are people who are desperately in need of the gospel. And so God, would you break our hearts And God, I pray just today that maybe there are some here that that have never put their faith and trust in Jesus. They would make that step. But Lord, I also pray today for the believers here in this room that you would lay on their heart two people, two people they have been called to share the gospel with, the good news of Jesus with, that they would pray every day for him. They would seek their goodness. They would speak with grace seasoned with salt. And Lord, we pray that you, as as we obediently reap the harvest that you're developing, God, that you would multiply it, that you would make it grow, that you would do the work that only you can do. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.